Then the Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us, knowing to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to Welcome to episode 27 of Conversing with the Text. I'm Pastor Michael Ware. We are a member of Crown Rights Cast Network, a ministry of Holly Ridge Presbyterian Church in beautiful Blacksburg, South Carolina. You can reach out to us at crownrightscastnet at gmail.com, or if you're looking for a place to worship somewhere that uh, um, are close, uh, people who love each other and uh, want to do life together and and enjoy and and uh, love Christ forever. Uh, we are located at 658 Tribal Road in Blacksburg, South Carolina, right near Shelton's Fireworks. So um, you can also contact us at 704-600-5429 um, for further details. Um, so we're still in the third chapter of Genesis, as you've heard. <coughs> And we are at our next to last episode. Last week, we looked at, uh, and the next to last episode in Genesis, let me be clear. Last week, we looked at the promise of death, the covering for Adam, and the fact that Christ was doing all the work. Um, and, and we also saw that Eve uh, represented the church. She was the mother of all living, and we, we went through that. Now, this week, we'll deal with Adam's sin, the sacrament getting its power from God and sin, sin leads, uh, this first sin leads to excommunication. So when we look at Adam's sin, what do we see? Now what's going on here um, as, as we, we look at this? Um, what, is, what is his sin? Well, he, you know, it is, it's taking something that, that was not his, right? It did, it did not belong to him, Um. So, the tree and the garden belonged to God. Now, this is something that sinful man rails against all the time, right? How is it that God thinks that he has a right to tell us what to do and what not to do? And where we can be and where we can't be, and what we can eat and what we cannot eat, right? How does, how does, who does God think he is? How dare he do such a thing? Well, Here's here's the problem with that thinking. You don't belong to you, and nothing in this world belongs to you. Now, you may have stewardship over it. It may be yours uh, as God has gifted it to you. Um, it, it's yours in the sense that it's not anyone else's in the world. But everything belongs to God. Okay? And so he and only he can set the boundaries of what we can have and what we cannot have. It is only a prideful man, full of sin, that would rail against his creator and say, how dare you make me this way, right? This was Isaiah's point, um, and, uh, and so, you know, how, I mean, Jeremiah's point, Jeremiah's point, uh, how dare 
we speak back to God. Paul says that in Romans 9. Um, stealing from Jeremiah, not stealing from, but borrowing. Right? So, but, but we need to see that this is not, this was not going to be the permanent situation. And I think I've alluded to this before in our podcast. It is likely that through time and maturation, Adam and Eve would have received the sacraments of the, tr- the sacrament of the tree of knowledge. Now, God's word would have held true, there would have been death that results from this. Now, this gives us a little bit of pause, right? We think about it and we go, I don't know that, I don't know that I like that. I don't know that I like that thought because, you know, death entered the world through sin, right? And so, and, but, so, but we, we can't think of, of death as we know it, right? Um, you know, because, Think about think about it like this. Um, we we don't know what it would be like to die without sin because we've never seen it. We we don't we don't know it. We've never experienced that. No one has. No no one in the world has except for Jesus Christ. All right, so. It would not have. It would have. You know. It would not have been this. This uh, breaking down of the body and and you know organs failing and this slow death of old age. Rather, it would probably have been closer to what we see in Enoch and Elijah. Now, think about that for a second. They are with God currently. They are with God currently, but they. They didn't die the death. They were taken and translated. But they're no, they're no longer here on earth, and so it is a form of death. There is this understanding that they're no longer among the living, right, as we would say. They, they are now, their, you know, what happened with their bodies? I, you know, I can't explain that. It's not, you know, secret things are the Lord's, and we're going to leave it there. We're not going to speculate it, but... Um. So, what we have to see is there. There probably would have been a time we don't know how long in the future that God would have said, "Okay, Adam, you're mature enough to to partake of this and to be with me." And then Adam would have received would have received the second sacrament. And uh, but but as a consequence of taking the one, Adam lost both. And, and we see that. So now God speaks in a sarcastic way. He says, "He says he's he's become like us." Now this us, as we pointed out, is the same us as the uh, us that we see in chapter one, where God says that He's going to make man in our image. Right? He says, "Let us make man in our image." Um, and so this is not God speaking to the angels. This is God speaking to Himself in the Trinity. And so. God says he has become like us, knowing good uh, and evil, and and lest he then take hold of and partake of the tree of knowledge, I mean the tree of, uh, of life, uh, and, and live forever. Now, this, this, this is said in a sarcastic way or an ironic way. It's, it's irony. God is saying it ironically. Now, this does not mean that there was not a possibility that man would try to partake of the tree of life and and attempt to live forever in his sinful state. 
we have to understand there's this idea here that that uh, Adam put forth his hand to take that which wasn't his, that he, he wasn't ready for, and then he receives the consequences of getting it. He receives the consequences of getting it. So uh, the he was barred from the tree of life, and the reason that the tree was a sacrament, uh, it... it but see now it see this is where where we get confused because um we can come off as sacerdotal if if we're not careful meaning that that it that it is that it does in some way become exactly what it says it is uh, but but we have to stick with Augustine who says they're symbols or signs of things that are true spiritually right and that's not an exact quote so you Augustinian buffs don't beat me up over it, but but that's basically what it is, right? Um, the, the, the consequence, empowered by God, produces what it represents. So we, we need to see what a sacrament is, right? I said that. It is a sign that symbolizes a grace of God. It is a means of grace. And, and when taken in faith, it produces that grace in the faithful. So we do not eat actual flesh and blood on the Lord's day, Right, and, and the water of baptism has no power to remove sin. Right, it, it doesn't give one the Holy Spirit or a good consequent a good conscience before God. All of those things are said to happen in the water of baptism, but all of these things are true when taken with, um, as Wilson says, eyes of faith. Now, First Peter. Um, points us in this direction. Um, if I can get there, First First Peter three um, twenty one points us uh, to to the fact that these things aren't they are true. Um, First Peter three verse twenty one reads. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, baptism gives us right a good conscience towards God. Right? It, that's what it says. But the answer of a good conscience towards God. Now, Here's the thing that we that we have to we have to deal with, right? Or we're not Lutherans. We're not. We don't believe that. We don't believe in baptismal regeneration. Um. You you are you are saved by grace alone, right? It's not no action you take, right? The sacrament of baptism does not bring you regeneration. But in the sense that when united with your faith, your baptism does save you. It does save you. It becomes that thing it signifies. And and that's what we have to that's what we have to be really careful of because we 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 fall into one of two errors. Right? We we uh you know we swing to, I love the pendulum picture with doctrine. We need to be straight in the middle, right? And usually we end up way over on the right 
or way over on the left. And if we find ourselves way over on the left, and I'm not talking political, I'm talking just illustration, guys, not not political systems. But if we end up way over here on the left, we we will overcompensate like a drunk man. That's what, and and that's and that's what we have to be careful of, right? We we'll we'll say no, 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 no. The sacrament. It's not a sacrament. It's an ordinance. It's a command, and and it it is just to just a remembrance. Or it's or it's it's just an initiation into the into the church, right? Baptism is just an initiation thing. It's a ceremony to remember um, we're following Christ in baptism. You know all all those things that um, our non sacramental brothers would say about sacrament. Love you guys. Don't mean anything bad by it. But but that's I feel like that's an error. But then we can go to the other side. And because we come from a background such as I do that that said th- those things, I grew up Baptist, um, and well, Baptist Wesleyan, <laughs> uh, what a mix. Anyway, so I come from that tradition where it was just it just signifies that you're now in the church. You now are a believer, and because you now are a believer, um, you you take this this rite. We do this ceremony with you, and then and then you now are now you're a member in the church just like everybody else. Right, or we go in the other opposite direction, which I just mentioned um, with um, Catholics and Lutherans, where they say no, baptism is regenerate. It brings regeneration. It it makes you not only a covenant member, but you are saved. Now, at least the Lutherans don't say you can lose your salvation. Um, and I don't want to get all into the Lutheran doctrine because I, I think they're wrong, so it doesn't matter. But but we need to make sure that we get in the middle of the road. So what do we say then with baptism? What we say with baptism is it is a sign and seal of the regeneration of Jesus Christ. Upon its reception, it is this outward sign that is only yes and amen once the person is regenerate. Right? It is a sign that you're in the covenant community and you are marked out as belonging to Christ and you remove yourself only from that as you leave the covenant community and usually through excommunication as a result of your apostasy, right? So um, not don't want to get into the doctrine of baptism today. We we will we will when we get to Noah. We're gonna hammer it when we get to Noah. So um, but but the same the same thing with the same thing with communion, right? The the Eucharist or communion uh, or the Lord's Supper, whichever, and, and they all fit, right? And what what is pictured there for us in that we don't believe we don't believe that uh, the bread and the wine become uh, body and blood. We we do not we we don't believe in transubstantiation, right? We don't believe that that happens. We believe that from the moment it's baked till it's cut, till it's poured, till it's ingested, it is bread and wine. But, but it is the body of Christ. It is the blood of Christ. And, and so just, just as what we would say with baptism, right, when it is united by faith in the partaker, right, the person that that is partaking of it, then it is Christ. It is his body. It is his blood. Right? Not physically. 
But but we would say with Calvin that he is really actually but not physically present in the elements. He's there. Now, this is the thing that we have to understand. Jesus Christ said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, right? So Matthew 28 is really good for us because he's telling this to the new covenant church whom he gave the sacrament to. These these apostles were given the sacraments and says, give this to my church. Feed my sheep, he tells Peter. Feed, feed my sheep. So what we have to understand is that when Christ says, it literally in the Greek says, all the days, I'm with you all the days. So every day that is a day, God in Christ is with his people. But he is with us empowering those sacraments to be yes and amen to us in faith. As we, as we look through the bread and the wine, we see Christ. As we, look, as we look through the waters of baptism, we see the Holy Spirit. Right, The Holy Spirit's not in the water physically, right? But as it is poured out on the child or, or the new convert, uh, then, then we, we should see that pictured and pray that it's true, right? And, and so that's what's going on there. I got a little off track, but that's all right. So lastly, we, we see that um, Adam was excommunicated. Now, what this shows us is th- that the first step in the maturation of sin had taken place, right? Man could no longer have access to God. Now, we, we're going to see three phases of sin, and uh, in these three phases, we should we should be able to start seeing things that has happened in our culture. Now, I'm only I'm only 48 years of age, uh, but I have seen the th- this progression uh, somewhat. Not as clear as say someone my dad's age uh, or even older, right? Um, this this movement from one place to the nu- to the next. So we we have here Adam taking that which doesn't belong to him, and um, and, and we can see that pictured in worship. As, as the church has taken worship out of God's hands and begun to do things their own way. Now, that's been going on for, for many years, and it's happened several times before in history. It's not something new, but, but, we, but we see that. And this is the first step, and, and the third step leads to destruction. So just go ahead and be prepared, but we're going to get there. If we get, if we get to... Uh, Genesis 7 and 8, uh, we're, we're going to see how that works out and how that, that plays out. Uh, but we see the maturation of sin, and, and man could no longer have access to God. He need, now needed a mediator, right? Um, right, so uh, let's, uh, let's just kind of look at uh, 1 Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, we're going to start in verse 20. Uh, you might want to get your Bible and look at this. Maybe take us a pause right quick and go get your Bible. If you've not, if you're riding down the road, don't get your Bible. But uh, if you're if you're sitting at home on your couch or, or in your office or you're on lunch, whatever, um, take your Bible and, and go through this with us. So I'm going to read uh, verses 20 through 28. The Word of the Lord reads, Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of, of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? 
Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? I do not praise you. Now, let's stop there just for a second, because I know, I know we've got five more, six more verses to read. But I want to point out something that Paul is saying to the Corinthians. He's saying, you're not taking communion. Whatever you're doing is not communion. That's what he said. Right? When you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. That's not a question. He's telling them, you're not taking the Lord's Supper. You're not having communion. That's not what you're doing. Right? So let's, let's, let's get that in our heads really quickly. This is what he's saying. You're not taking communion. You're not. You're not taking it. You're not taking communion. Right? And, and he tells them why it doesn't qualify. Now, we're going to see that he's going to tell them not to take communion in an unworthy manner. Well, if you're not taking communion by your actions in taking communion, that's doing it in an unworthy way. Right? That's, that's what that is. So anyway, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the, bo- of the bread and drink of the cup. All right, so we'll stop there. Uh, we, we all know the warning. We, if, you grew up, if you grew up in a Presbyterian, uh, Baptist, uh, Pentecostal, Church of God church, you, you know the warning that's coming, right? Those who take it in an unworthy manner will die. You'll die, right? For that reason, some of you are sick and some are you dead. He says falling asleep, but it means dead. So what, what, is, what is being said here? Um, for, for years, the, for years, the church has withheld communion from its children uh, because, because of a misunderstanding of, the, of this, uh, of this um, passage. So Paul is saying, don't, don't partake of it in an unworthy manner. I'm going to give you what worthy manner looks like. What did they do? And so this is, this is what we have to understand. The unworthy manner that brings death is those who partake of communion not examining the body. What? Is that what that said? Is that what that said? Right? Therefore, whoever eats uh, or drinks this uh, without an unworthy manner, right? So we have to examine ourselves, and we do. So what does he mean, though? He means that we're to examine whether or not we have a right understanding of what the body is. What is the body? What, what is the body? The body is the church. Right? That's, I mean, that's, that's what it says. And 
and what we have to do is we have to recognize. So here, here, let's let's do go on. Let's continue. I'll start back at twenty-seven. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Right? For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if you would judge... if but if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Now, what are we to discern? Right, We're to examine ourselves so that we see if we discern the body of Christ correctly. Not, not whether or not you and, and, and Joe on the third row are in discord. Or if you think that the pastor is preaching nonsense. Or if you stole something. Or if you committed adultery. See, see, because here's the thing that we need to recognize. If we are doing church right, if we have a right understanding of what is going on on the Lord's Day, then we've already dealt with those things. Right? We've already dealt with them. We've already gone to Joe. Because that's what people in the Lord's body does. We don't sow discord, and we don't have uh, unforgiveness in the body of Christ. Read Matthew 18, especially the last half. Right? Start where Peter asks how many times uh, he's got to forgive his brother. And then go from there and see if that doesn't convict you that you should be dealing with sin within the body of Christ. You can't have, you can't hold alt against your brother, and you cannot be uh, in a situation where uh, you have, uh, your brother has alt with you. You can't even sacrifice, it says, and that's worship. We'll get to that next week. Um, so, so this whole thing that we, we have to discern our salvation and be able to perfectly, uh, you know, expostulate, you know, Tell it to others, <laughs> then, then, or before we can before we can take communion. That's nonsense. That's well, it's not nonsense. It's just not there. And 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 this is the other thing. If you take out this passage of your evidence, what other evidence do you have that we can't take communion unless we're able to give some kind of confession if we're baptized in the church? It's not there. Quit flipping. It's not there. Well, that's all the time we have this week. I hope that you enjoyed the show. I hope it it challenged you. I hope it uh, makes you dig. Um, if you want to prove me wrong, um, please send your response to crownrightscastnet at gmail.com. That's crownrightscast, all one word, at gmail.com. Until next week, walk in a manner worthy of Christ to please God.